The Lord be with you. And also with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. We gather for ordered worship to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily in this hour are offered for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal Mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 133 with the Antiphon. good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. 
For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John chapter 20 verses 19 through 31. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was, what, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So ends the original edition of the Gospel of John with this very verse. And this passage concluding the first rendering of the Gospel of John focused on the person, presence, and voice of Thomas, known in tradition as the doubter, who nonetheless, in his dual realism, Christ crucified and risen, names in full, names in crisp summation, names for all time in summary, the theme of this gospel my Lord and my God. Bar Mensch und bar Gott. Now here we are in the season of Easter. The season is Easter. The music is Bach. The gospel is John. The place is Marsh. And the day is sunny. And we are tempted, or at least one of us is tempted, just to pause and enjoy and let this moment last a good long time, even a very long time, even forever. A sermon that lasts forever. Ah, terror wreathed the features of the patrons of the game. Thomas represents that distinctive voice in the fourth gospel. The gospel that mentions the word logos, not found in any other gospel. Mentions Nicodemus who comes at night, not mentioned in any other gospel. Who mentions the Samaritan woman at the well, not mentioned in any other gospel. Who mentions the man born blind and healed, not mentioned in any other gospel, who mentions Lazarus, raised from the dead, not mentioned in any other gospel, who mentions a spirit given today, paraclete, identified in 1 John with Jesus himself, not mentioned in this way, advocate, counselor, the spirit will lead you into all truths, the loveliest of lines in the New Testament, not mentioned that way in any other gospel, The beloved disciple, not mentioned in any other gospel. This is a distinctive voice like yours here at Marsh Chapel. Distinctive and distinguished. And especially Thomas says the text, one of the twelve. Now some will have been looking at Matthew, Mark, and Luke as the sermon opens, checking the list for the twelve. And will you find Thomas? No, you will not find Thomas. 
But here he is identified with a grouping that seems to me more apocalyptic than arithmetic, more meaningful than mathematical, more, well, how do you say, movable, a movable feast. And what does Thomas say? He whose dual realism, what you will need to get by. A realism about the distressing condition of this world, that is the cross of Christ and a realism about the daring new world God is bringing, that is the resurrection of Christ. Thomas says, Kyrios Theos, my Lord and my God. That come Easter in Christ, in one, we have human and divine. We have service and spirit. We have labor and presence. We have discipleship and worship, my Lord and my God. In 1978, I had the privilege of sitting in the James Chapel of the Union Theological Seminary in the city of New York and listening therein on that fine evening to the voice of Gardner C. Taylor. Gardner Taylor was born in 1918 the son of his dad, who was born in 1870, who was born to slaves. He was the grandson of slaves from Louisiana. He spent his early years growing up, thought he'd be a lawyer, except to the time of his growth, there was not a single person of color admitted to the bar in Louisiana. So he went north to Oberlin, where he studied theology, soon became the pastor of the second largest Baptist church in the country, Concord Baptist Church. That evening he spoke on what he called the great watershed of the New Testament, Romans chapter 5. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint us because of the love of God shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Partner of Martin King, leader of the City of New York School Board, great voice through Nine decades, Gardner C. Taylor went, as you did, to Easter worship last Sunday. He in Mount Vernon Baptist Church in Durham, North Carolina. Following service, he and his wife had lunch, and that afternoon, he died. Laid up, laid out. His life forever concluded. But his voice, like yours, distinctive, like yours, that in the tradition of Thomas, that voice that is carried to this day, these things are written, no. These things are spoken, no. These things are sung that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. My dear friend, my colleague, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, What do we await this day in this beautiful resurrection cantata whose themes are struggle and joy, Christ and life, our very presence here today? My Jesus is arisen, but what still frightens me? My faith knows the victory of the Savior, yet my heart is filled with strife and battle. My Savior only appears. Today's cantata was written by Bach toward the end of his first year of work in Leipzig for the first Sunday 
after Easter in April of 1724. The gospel lesson of Box Day is the same as ours, the story of the Doubting Thomas from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. And the theme of the cantata, as you might expect, is one of jubilation in the radiance of the resurrection, but also the reality of the struggles of daily living in a world of sin and temptation. Thomas's doubt becomes our own human frailty and failing. The cantata opens with a joyful injunction to hold the memory of Jesus Christ in mind. This text, not from the Psalms, as we typically find in the opening of the cantatas, but from the book of 2 Timothy. In this text, hold Jesus Christ in mind in the memory of his resurrection, Bach finds two points of inspiration for musical ideas. The first is represented by the setting of the word hold, or halt. Throughout the first movement, the chorus sustains over several bars this word halt on a single note over several measures. It's unmistakable. It's a literal setting of the word hold. And as sharp contrast to the stasis of the word halt, Bach sets arisen, or auferstanden, as an invigorating melisma. The instrumentation is straightforward with strings, two oboes de more flute, but with the fifth voice of the chorus played by the solo trumpet. Here the cantata takes on the mantle of Thomas. As we know from the cantatas, they turn from this outward joyful moment to the personal reflection with the arias and the inner parts of the cantata. Here we encounter the voice of Thomas today sung by tenor Patrick Waters. As in the first movement, Bach sets the word erstanden, or arisen, as a brief ascending flourish. But the confidence of the first half of the melody is interrupted by musical stuttering, as if the singer's doubts inhabit his progress in the phrase. And like the singer, we fall short in our own daily strivings. Bach achieves a perfect symmetrical structure with the inclusion of the central movements, two alto restatives with an Easter hymn in between. The alto hails the risen Lord as the Prince of Peace, the Friedefürst, who will lead us in our battles. The final aria, perhaps the most uh, special in this cantata, depicts the glory of the battle. The siege is here represented by wild arpeggios and rapidly ascending scales in the violins. The chorus of soprano, alto, and tenor voices sings, happy are we, Jesus helps us fight and dampens the rage of the enemy. Hell, Satan, back, back, back. The voice of Christ, sung today by baritone Sam Kreidenweiss, offers four words only. Peace be with you. These interjections from the Prince of Peace are sung in a lilting triple meter with a halo not of strings but of solo flute and the two oboes d'amore. Jesus' words impart a calm and a peace in the midst of our earthly toil. The cantata concludes with the four-part setting of Jakob Eckert's 1601 hymn, You Prince of Peace, Lord Jesus Christ, true man and true God, a strong helper in need, in life and in death. Therefore, only in your name do we cry to your Father. I like this cantata for many, many reasons. 
I'm intrigued by its timing. It was written in 1724, within days of the first performance of the St. John Passion, within days of a reworking and performance of the famous Easter cantata, Christlag and Todesbanden, and in a period of Bach's extraordinary uh, initial output of cantata writing in Leipzig. He proves his compositional capacity, his unbelievable theological capability, and his uh, indistinguishable ability and generation of idea through these weekly cantatas and inspirational performances. I can't imagine being the minister in Bach's pulpit in 1724, contending with the compositional challenges of his musical counterpart in the musical sermons of these cantatas. They're remarkable works. The other piece that I find remarkable is that Bach is able to depict Jesus always as lordly, as herrlich, as he does in the John Passion. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus is always depicted as in control and surrounded by a calm, a lordliness that defies the frailty of humanity. Bach depicts this elegantly and beautifully all the time. But what makes his music so compelling and dear to us in the moment is his ability to capture the aspect of our human frailty and our own faltering in the wake of that lordliness, the predictability of our human condition, of our own becoming of the doubting Thomas. And this is, in some ways, why I like Thomas best. Because Thomas is each of us. We are reminded of Jesus' resurrection every day. Our opening prayers of our day remind us to walk through our daily living, our daily interactions, how we meet the world, how we deal with the tea, with a godly forbearance. Yet we fall short. Yet we post on Facebook awful things in the, in the moment, just as Thomas did. And we find ourselves in Thomas, not in the simple story of his needing to feel the holes in the hand of Christ, of the risen Christ, but in his just human sluggishness in accepting the resurrection, accepting Christ as our breastplate in our daily living. There we find ourselves moment by moment, hour by hour, season by season. And this is written in every movement of the cantata, and you hear the joyfulness, but you also hear that consternation, that, that beautifully human and Christian dialectic within us. Today's cantata is conducted by my very good friend, student, colleague, Joshua Rohde, who has been our conducting fellow at Marsh Chapel this season. He is known to our community and to our musicians because of his long association with the chapel choir throughout his graduate study at Boston University, and today concludes uh, his year of work as our conducting fellow in leadership of this cantata. He has prepared every note, conducted every rehearsal, and joined me in this morning's Bach Experience Lecture. And on behalf of the musicians, we wish him well and thank him dearly for his leadership, his spirit, and his generosity. Joshua, where are you?
These things are spoken and sung that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. As Thomas exemplifies for us, seeing is believing. No, believing is seeing. And to that end, we live together in service and in worship, in discipleship and in reverence. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall continue to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
Bach gave us God's word, Mozart gave us God's laughter, and Beethoven gave us God's fire, and God gave us music that we might pray without words. We thank the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium under the direction of Mr. Joshua Rohde for leading us in prayer this morning. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Two notes about activities following the service today. The Women's Forum is taking place. We invite you to see Jan Hill uh, following the service for more about that. Our International Student Sunday Luncheon has been delayed by a week. Be in touch with Reverend Brittany Longstore for more information there. We note also that our uh, spring hymn sing, originally scheduled for March 8th, has been rescheduled for Sunday, April 26th. Contact the Marsh Chapel office and uh, Caitlin No uh, for more details. We encourage you to keep an eye as we come to the end of the spring semester to the Marsh Chapel website for all of our upcoming services and activities, along with the opportunity for online giving. We do encourage your generous support this morning of our work in ministry and music. We rely on your generosity in order to be the presence that we are on this campus and throughout the city. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Dietrich Buxtehude's Nun bitten wir. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Dear God, spirit of life, we are filled with love and gratitude. Gathered in worship, we are grateful for the beauty of our earth, for the joy of music, for the blessings of the people around us. We are grateful for the opportunity here to give of ourselves through our presence and our resources. We pray that these gifts given today sustain the ministry of this community and bless the world. For these gifts and for all that is our lives, we pray. Amen. Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging, peace at the last. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.